Hey, this is Jimmy Jago. Hey, this is Eli Babal. Hey, this is Craig Goodwin. Hey, this is Tariq Yorich. And this is the Redcast on 104.7 Classic Triple M. Coming up ahead of the big game in New Zealand against the Phoenix, Rue and I chat with Tariq Elrich. Jars and Louie caught up with Jimmy Jago. I get to chat with Adam Peacock from Fox Sports, who's got an interesting book coming out. And joining us in studio to preview the weekend is Reds midfielder Mate Duganjic. Hey, this is Eugene Glekovic, and this is the Redcast on 104.7 Classic Triple M. 104.7 Classic Triple M with Rue and It's for breakfast to Adelaide United. The Reds, a must-win game. We've been saying this for three or four weeks now, but it really is to Tonight, they're in New Zealand taking on Wellington Phoenix and Tarek Elrich joins us. Tarek, good morning. Good morning. How are you going? Yeah, good. Gee, uh, Tarek, I, 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 you're probably sick of hearing this, but I reckon every week, and all of the commentators I've spoken to have said that Adelaide United are actually playing some very, very good football. And, you know, there have been sort of 20 to 25 minutes of real outstanding football each week and you just haven't got the results. Yeah, and that's, that's the reason why we're not panicking too much. Um, we know we can produce... Uh, some, some good footy and um, we've been working hard all pre-season on the style um, under Guillermo so for us um, that's why I think every week we say even though we're at the bottom of the table um, we're still confident in ourselves because we know that um, once we start putting those performances into longer patches and start taking our chances then we'll be alright but um, it's, it's not an easy place to be in and um, as an athlete you're you always want to be at the front, but in saying that, uh, this will test our character. You've probably got a big role to play, not only on the park, but off the park as well, being one of the senior players. Have have yourself and perhaps Eugene, I know Eugene's not playing at the moment, but have some of you boys done anything this week with the team behind closed doors? Are you talking more? Are you having meetings? Has anything like that taken place? Yeah, um, we had a, a meeting uh, with just the boys and just said that, you know, um, the coach has obviously given us all the ingredients and... Um, he's done everything that he can possibly do, um, but we've also got to demand it from each other as well. So um, just small things at training, just constant reminders about uh, some rules that we had w- when we got the ball, when we're defending, stuff like that. So um, we've just uh, got together and said that we've just got to enforce them more ourselves and make sure that um, everyone's uh, pulling their weight. But in saying that, you know, we probably made the same mistakes last season and didn't get punished for it and because uh, we're not winning many games, the mistakes that we're making now, we're getting punished, and that's why it, it feels a lot, a lot harder. But in saying that, mate, we've got a great bunch of boys. Uh, the boys are all still getting along and uh, pushing each other as hard as we can to, to make sure that we get some results soon. Yeah, good stuff. Tariq, up until last week, uh, everyone was talking about the lack of goals, uh, the fact that you hadn't scored as a team. Now, all of a sudden, as of last week, people actually started talking about the defence. It, it, it wasn't a great performance defensively, was it? Oh, look, in saying that, we um, we all defend together and I know it sounds so cliche and we all attack together, but um, in saying that, I feel that we're losing the ball in, um, in, in key areas and that's why we are getting punished and um, the style that we want to play, we're always open and I don't know if you guys remember when Joseph first took over, um, we copped. We copped so many goals at the start and a lot of people had their doubts, um, even the players had their doubts back then, but uh, seeing how it worked later on, um, that's why we got the confidence in, in it working here. So I feel against uh, against Melbourne second half, we, we opened up. I think we took it to them the game and we actually started playing some decent stuff and scored a goal and then they just put us on the counter. So yep. um, look, I think the style we played, very high risk and at the moment I feel like we're getting punished for every mistake we make and every team's just taking all their chances. 
Yeah, for sure. I remember uh, if we go back to the Brisbane game, you yourself had a couple of very good chances. Isaiah's had a good chance. Theory, I had two good chances. And, you know, as you say in this sport, if they go in, all of a sudden you're scoring heaps of goals, but they just haven't gone in. So there's no doubt it's not far away. Let's hope it can happen tonight against Wellington and you can put a couple into the back of the net. There's three points and then you have another win. You've got six points and it just it can get start to build week by week, mate. So good luck and I hope it starts happening tonight for you. No, thank you. We're looking forward to the challenge. And uh, it's never easy here in Wellington, but, you know, I'll back the boys. Good on you. Well done. Tarek Elrich, our special guest. If you haven't tried Ruin Dits for breakfast, you're missing the big SA topics. You know, you blokes took colostrum yep. at the Crows under Neil Craig. Yep. Why would you take colostrum? Well, we won the flags in 97 and 98. So I was about colostrum. I don't know. That, that's a stupid thing for you to say, really. You just said what happened. Yeah, you, you're, what you've just said to me is, oh, we won the flag as no, we took the I, I didn't say that, but we trained extremely hard. Missing the funniest moments. Lawrence Mooney's coming to town. Uh, hey, uh, I reckon I saw you riding your bike around Melbourne the other day while I was <laughs> over there too. What are you doing? Are you on a fitness kick? Well, uh, I'm fitness kick imposed by a magistrate because uh, I'm <laughs> ruined dits for breakfast. For the experts in air, call your local Panasonic air conditioning specialist. Visit Panasonic Aircon. Classic Triple M. Welcome back to the Reds podcast. Uh, Thanks to Triple M. It's Chris Dittmar here from Ruined It's for Breakfast on 1047 Classic Triple M. What about this 10 years ago? This happened. He wins it for us. John. Here's Aloisi for a place in the World Cup. He's Ten years ago, and that goal sent us through to the 2005 World Cup. Joining me now from Fox is Adam Peacock, and he's written a book about it. Adam, welcome to the Redcast. Yeah, thanks, Dits. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know why I did it, but uh, I'm glad I did. It was one of those things that I thought, well, there's a bit of a gap um, in terms of this story being told in its total um, all-encompassing way with the fact that uh, all everything that Australian football is going through in the... Uh, in the early 2000s with the, the NFL going and then the A-League coming in and uh, Frank Lowy coming in and just cleaning house, basically. And then he decided to go and get a guy called Gus Sinek um, as that final little thing that might have pushed us towards a World Cup. And in the end, it did, but only just. It was just the most dramatic way you could possibly think of of uh, breaking a 32-year hex. Well, I was going to say, uh, how do you write a whole book about how many pages are there about one penalty kick? But clearly it's about <laughs> a fair bit of history around it. Yeah, it's, it, it goes back. It goes way back. Um, spoke to one of Adelaide's finest, John Cosmina, yep. um, as part of the backstory for the failed campaign. So that's a chapter in itself. And then uh, the, the backstory, I went through just every player that played either that night or in the first leg in Montevideo and Uruguay, I, um, I did their backstory, how they got to where they were as footballer and men as well, footballers and men as well, mm-hmm. um, given that they went away as, as young guys, like John Aloisi went away as a teenager to go and live in Belgium. He was just totally out of his comfort zone. And that was the, the regular story out of all of these guys. They went through so much. And uh, it's, it's really underestimated what they actually went through to get to. We know them now as retired, comfortable millionaire socceroos, but it, it certainly wasn't that way the whole time. So it tells that story. And then when about halfway through it, uh, goes into when Gus took over and um, the FFA calling Gus and eventually getting him at the third time of asking and then how he implemented his way. And it's a fascinating read, not just for football fans, but sport fans and, and I don't know, business leaders or whatever about leadership and how Gus Hitting 
uh, played the mind games and got the absolute best he thought he could get out of uh, this group of players. For sure. Now, being from South Australia, we've had a bit to do with the Aloisi family, and I've often spoken to Ross over the years about his brother John, where, you know, when we talk about greatest ever Australian athletes or sportsmen that have gone overseas, and, and when we name our sports star of the year, for example, I mean, John Aloisi was never mentioned, but do you know, and I think he still is, he's the only bloke to play in the English Premier League, the Spanish mm. League, and the Italian League. Now, we're talking the three best leagues in the world here, and that, you know, for a young soccer player out of Adelaide, that is a phenomenal achievement in itself. And he not only played in him, he actually scored in every single league yeah. as well. Yeah. And in a little pocket of Spain, uh, up the north there in the Basque Country, um, in uh, where his former club was, Osasuna, or is still, he's regarded as a bit of a, a folk hero, if you like. He, yeah. he scored in a, in a massive match and he scored in big games for them. So, um, yeah, he's, he's known throughout Europe, in little pockets throughout Europe, Possibly not as well as he is um, anywhere else but Spain, like mm. Italy and, and England. He, he had um, he had a tough times of it on and off the park, but Spain is where he really felt really, really comfortable. And, um, yeah, his, his story is amazing. And, and he actually tells the story of uh, penalties as well. And I asked him, when was your first one? What, what is your most vivid memory as a kid as a, of a penalty? And he remembers playing under-17 Adelaide City, missing a penalty when he was 14 years of age. And uh, it cost his side the game. And he remembers getting back to the dressing room. And he's, one of his teammates actually um, was so angry that they lost the game. He put his fist through the wall, mm. through the gyp rock. Mm. Unfortunately, two inches on the other side of the gyp rock was stone hard brick. <laughs> and he snapped his wrist, oh, this kid. God. And he ended up in hospital. So that kind of sticks in his mind. And he thought to himself, well, I better not miss another penalty again because I don't want to cause any, <laughs> any more heartache. And yeah. Um, yeah, 20 years later, he rocked up to the Olympic Stadium and did just that. Yeah, no, nah, terrific story. Um, I'm interested to know about Frank Lowy as well. So from everyone you spoke to in, in this uh, game that we call football now in Australia, quite rightly, he, he must be revered. I mean, I, I don't know the bloke personally, but I, I just everything I read and everything I hear, he has done so much to transform this game here, which really, when he got involved and took over, I mean, it was in turmoil. It was a dog's breakfast. Um, you know, mm-hmm. the game was broke, and, and yet now we've competed in World Cups, and I really do believe he's had a heck of a lot to do with all... You know, the, the massive turnaround. Totally agree. Now, day to day, your hardened football nut might not agree with you. Um, and I, I, I try to take that approach as well. It's like you, you, you take a step back and you think, okay, where were we 10 years ago as opposed to today? Yep. Where as a, as a game, football, it's infinitely better on and off the park in Australia. Now, you look at what was going on 10 years ago and it was it, – Basically, I call the chapter, which is about Lowy coming in, the Molotov cocktail, because that's basically what he threw through the door. Mm. It blew the joint up and he started again. Now, but some people have issues with Frank Lowy and the way he runs things, because he runs it basically like a dictatorship, because he came in with no board. He didn't have anyone to answer to. Um, And he's still kind of running it that way to an extent these days. Now, people are saying, well, we've grown up a bit. We should be a little bit more democratic, but I mean... It's worked so far. It does have to be subtle change, but yeah, you, you can't really measure how much Frank Lowy has done for the game in the last ten years because no one's really done it, and it's put it in a place where it's never been before. And hopefully, it can uh, it can build off that. Adam, just moving on to the A League, we see you present uh, on Fox Sports uh, a lot of the the football programs and the pre games and the post games, and and you have a terrific lineup of guests that work around you as well. From Fox Sports' point of view, how do you feel the game is going? Is the A League? Uh, gaining the traction that you would hope it would in this country? Yeah, the wheels have started to spin a little bit, if you know what I mean, after um, after the, the Marquis came here, after Del Piero. And 
a little bit perplexed by that um, in the sense that the, the football actually is, well, not for Adelaide this season. We'll get to that in a moment, I dare mm, say. But mm. the football in a general sense is as watchable as it's ever been yep. in the A-League. Um, there's, there's less dead dud games. Um, ordinarily, a few years ago, you would have expected two of the five games on a weekend to be just be total dawn fest. Now, these days, um, well, I've remembered sitting down in a few of the opening rounds and four of the five have been good, if not five of the five have been very watchable. So I, I think the football is progressing. But we, Bozza made the point on Fox Sports last night, we need Marquez. We, we just need that little punch as well to, to hit through. To hit through. Sorry, I'm just down at a local carnival. To hit through the... Um, the, the average sports fan, the, the general sports fan yep. who loves all his sport or her sport, but kind of isn't a big football fan. So you, you, we still need that kind of kick. But, yeah, it's, it's going in the right direction. I just hope it can gather a bit of momentum as this season goes on. I don't know what your bosses are saying at Fox or if you've got any inkling, but uh, we heard a little bit about Wellington Phoenix may not be a part of the plans moving forward. There's talk of another Sydney team. I wonder if there will ever be another Adelaide team. Do you, what do you think that the league will look like in about five years' time? Will there be new teams? Uh, in five years' time, I reckon there will be another Brisbane team and there will be another team from either Sydney or Melbourne. And that's okay. just a guess. Um, that's just an absolute guess. I, I haven't heard anything. And the thing that the FFA have played this um, maybe a little wrong is not being totally transparent about what their plans are for possible expansion. Now, the thing is about possible expansion, nothing absolutely stands out. Mm. As you say, oh, what about another Adelaide team? Well, that's not beyond the realms of possibilities. But nothing actually goes, oh, I can't believe we don't have a team there. We've got to go there. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it doesn't quite... Uh, it isn't quite happening like that at the moment, but yeah, I, I can't. I can see Wellington in this competition because they've just basically they got a rocket put up um, yep. off, about their off-field um, membership base, TV revenue. We get one hundred and eighty thousand dollars a year out of Sky TV. The NRL gets sixteen million dollars a year to show the New Zealand Warriors games. Mm. So there's a huge disparity there. <laughs> yeah, they sure just want is. more out of New Zealand because yep. they think think well. From a local point of view, what is it doing for Australian football? Yeah. If we're having a New Zealand team, we're kind of holding them up as opposed to having another team here. Yeah, they need to contribute, don't they? As, as every other club is, I guess. Yeah, that's the hard thing, though. I mean, they've been so good on the park, Wellington Phoenix, yep. and they run a st- they run a stable ship. Mm. But David Gallup and the FFA want more out of them because they only got 3,500 members when all this went down. Now, that's already gone up to 4,400, but they want more support. They've got a market there of 4.5 million people across the whole nation. Yeah. So th- there's... There's fertile ground to be dug over there. It just seems that they're just stuck in their ways a little bit and they're happy with their little enclave that they've got at the moment. Yeah. Well, that's not what the FFA want. They want them to grow. Yep, for sure. Adam, thanks so much for joining us here on the uh, the Triple M Redcast. Now, once again, the book. Now, has it already been released? Yeah, yeah it was out last Monday, um, I think. So, yeah, it's at uh, Dimmicks and uh, Big W Target. Berkeley, um, other bookshops, just look up, or you can go online to Booktopia, and it's uh, it's on there. So, and and what's um, the book called? It's called That Night. Sorry, yeah, I should I should mention the title. Eh? Okay, so it's That <laughs> it's Night, and this is book. we're going back ten years. It's the anniversary of Australia building a Uruguay with John Aloisi scoring that decisive penalty to send us through to the two thousand and five World Cup. It sounds like a real good read. Now, also, you've got an anniversary special coming up at dinner with the Socceroos. I think is it next Monday. Yeah, Monday night. Um, so a few of the guys are, are jetting into town, including Gus Hitting. So it's a, it's a bit of a farewell to Frank Lowy, who's stepping down as FFA chairman. So yep. thanks to him and also to commemorate that night. It's basically held on ANZ Stadium, where 
all of it went down yep. exactly 10 years ago to the day. So a good idea from the FFA, and it should be a, uh, a fun evening with a few great stories to be told. No doubt about it. Adam, good luck with the book, and uh, well done with the stuff you're doing on Fox as well. Adam Peacock, our guest here on the Triple M Redcast. Thanks, Adam. Cheers, mate. Have a good one. Terrific run and a super finish. Hey, this is Tariq Yorich. Hey, this is Jimmy Jago. Hey, this is Craig Goodwin. Hey, this is Elliot Babal. Classic Triple M rocks the Reds. Welcome back to the Triple M Redcast uh, to all the United fans out there. Special guest, we've got uh, Matej Jugancic. Matej, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Tell us uh, about your journey. Uh, Melbourne victory, played for Melbourne City, and you end up at Adelaide United. How did that all happen? Well, yeah, I first got my opportunity at Melbourne Victory quite a while ago now. Played yep. there for a couple of seasons and then uh, moved to moved over to the Heart. Played there for about four years and um, thought it was uh, enough time there. Move move out of my comfort zone. Melbourne's been home for obviously all my life and I thought I'd just uh, come to Adelaide as soon as I heard they were interested. I was a keen club. Obviously, the club done quite well last year and I uh, wanted to... Um, come and experience something different here. Can I ask you about Melbourne? Because um, I'm really interested in the in how soccer or football, we should call it, has really progressed in the last few years in Australia. To see to see a final there last year, 50,000 people, must have been very exciting for someone like you that's grown up in Melbourne. I mean, to see that sort of crowd to me is just amazing. Yeah, definitely. I think football's growing in the country itself. Um, I remember playing uh, in, in front of quite a quite a number of people as well down at Victory. I think season four or five, they were averaging quite a bit of crowd, uh, 30,000, 40,000 at Etihad Stadium when they played a lot of their games there. So um, to have that final as well, even when they um, shouldn't be saying it, but, you know, when, when they beat when they beat United uh, a few years back, <laughs> they, did, they did draw a crowd. So Melbourne's always uh, had solid crowds and I suppose that's why they introduced that, introduced that second team there. But, um, yeah. Yeah, football itself, the fact that it's growing is, is a great thing for the country, I think. Yeah. Tell us about your, your upbringing. Where, where did you play? Where was your main junior club? Main junior club was a, just a little club around the corner from my house, St. Albans Saints. Um, I'm of Croatian descent, so yep. they were of a Croatian background yep. as well, the club. So uh, having, I think there was a, quite a number of players that have played there as well um, that have gone to represent the national team. So... Um, it's been a good breeding ground, I think, for, for, for players in the future, for players in the past. So um, it was, as I said, very convenient. I walked to training whenever I needed to go. That's good. Um, so I played there for just about 10 years and then moved over to Melbourne Knights and played yep. in the State League there. Okay. Have you been able to meet anyone from Raiders here? Because they're the big Croatian club out here. I have. I have. I've yeah. been down once. Um, looking forward to trying getting down again. I heard they do... Uh, Good fish night on Friday night. <laughs> they do. If, uh, but I have yet to experience it. <laughs> ah, good stuff. All right, so coming to United, how have you found it? Uh, tell me about Guillermo as a coach. What have you found with him? Yeah, he's uh, every coach is different, I suppose. Um, from what I've heard, Josip was uh, quite a loud character. And <laughs> you can see from the sidelines itself, Guillermo was a little bit more composed and he's a bit more softer spoken, I suppose, in that sense. He's a lot more calmer. Um, there's pros and cons with, with with every single coach, every sort of coach you see, and I think he's still learning. And and to be fair, he's got the backing from the boys and and the club itself. And I think uh, it's going to only be a matter of time before we turn things around. Yeah, all right. Let's look at the performances. What about in recent weeks? There's been a lot said about the lack of scoring. Yet on the weekend, if we go back, perhaps the defence uh, let the side down. And that might sound critical, but um, how have you seen it? As I said, on one hand, a lack of goals, and then on the weekend, letting a few goals in. I guess it needs to be an all-round team performance to lift, doesn't it? Yeah, without a doubt. End of the day, um, 
the football's 11 men. You know, everyone has to contribute. And up top, attackers, they're the first line of defence. So if they're not doing something right, then obviously the midfield and yep. defenders have to pick up the slack as well. But yeah, obviously just the last two, three weeks m- more so have been, uh, have been just not great. Uh, very average. We've conceded ten goals, and we know that that's a that's a major issue. Yeah. Um. And if it wasn't for scoring two goals on the weekend, yeah, we would have been. We wouldn't have even had a goal scorer yet. They both would have been own goals. So, um, we know ourselves we're capable of a lot more, and we know that we're going to be proving that. I think on the weekend. In recent days, I've spoken to uh, Eugene and to Tarek as well, and Bruce Yute, and I've probably said the same thing to all of them. But I reckon there have been. I can think of the Perth game, the Brisbane game, about half an hour in the second half of very good football and dominating football, but just not scoring. So clearly the side is good enough. The side can play well enough. Yeah, without a doubt. I think everyone saw against Perth, we had quite a lot of the ball and they just hit us classically on the counter-attack and punished us. I think they only had about four shots on goal and scored three. Again, against Brisbane... When you when you try and open up, when you try and when you're playing good football, you're trying to put a lot of pressure on them. I suppose spaces spaces uh, uh, spaces come up, and uh, Brisbane were able to exploit that in yep. the end. And then again against uh, Melbourne City, again we're pushing, we're pushing, and it was just obviously unfortunate that they hit us on the break again and managed to get a goal, which was. A bit sad because we got one back at 3-1 and thinking, you know, possibly there's a chance, there's still a bit of time to get back into this, but then they, um, yeah, managed to get another one, which was disappointing. Can I ask you then, anything different this week? What did Guillermo focus on in the training sessions this week? Um, not, I suppose we just got to keep on resorting to our normal brand of football, that possession-based football and creating those chances. We know that... Um, I suppose we just tighten up the defence a little bit, or that, that, that's everyone. I suppose, as I said, defence starts from the starts from the front. So, if we just manage to not concede, I suppose we won't lose. Yeah, always <laughs> the result is a nil-nil draw. Nah, so fair enough. That, that, that's what we know. We have Interestingly, to do. though, and we see this at the start of every season in football. I mean, you, so you've got two points from the two draws. If you were to beat Wellington this week. If you could string two wins together, you actually rock it right up the table. I mean, it goes on other results as well, but it, the table early part of the season after five rounds is actually very, very tight. Yeah, it is. There's been a lot of draws, actually, um, more so than I think in previous years. And as any league in the world, when it's when it's quite early on, a couple of wins and mm. you're right in the mixer again, um, we know that travelling to Wellington is never an easy task, but... We've got full confidence. I think they've got a couple of players away on international duty possibly as well, so which could work in our benefit. Yep. Um, and then obviously the following week we got Newcastle at home back at Coopers and that's where we that's where we like playing. So there's no doubt in my mind that there's very capable of getting two wins here. Yep, for sure. Uh, what do you expect from Wellington? Um, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm not too sure whether or not if they're going to be – how many players are going to be away on international duty. I think New Zealand are playing Oman – whether it be that day or the day before, I'm not too sure. Yep. Um, and then the likes of, uh, you know, who, which which players they're going to bring in if they obviously, if, if it's just a friendly game and I don't know what sort of agreement Wellington and the New Zealand Federation have. <laughs> um, but yeah, we know that we just have to play our best football. If we play our best football, we should... Uh, 
we should be then comfortably. Well, if just on that, if I can go back to the goal situation, I mean, there is so much strike power in the lineup. You know, I've I've really enjoyed seeing Craig Goodwin play a bit more forward. To be honest, I think he's created a fair bit. Tarek Elrich is always attacking. Uh, Isaias has had his chances. Theorio's had chances. Now Brugitte has started in the last week or two. There's so much strike power there, isn't there? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, and even you didn't mention Pablo. Pablo Sorry, yeah. Pablo Sanchez, yep. he was the top goal scorer of the league last year, of, of Adelaide last year. So by all means, there's, there's enough firepower, firepower there to get some goals. It's just uh, not clicking at the moment, which is a bit unfortunate. Yeah. But I think once the fact that we scored two goals on the weekend and – I think that would bring a lot of confidence to the players. Yeah, and you know what happens in the mentality of these blokes? You know what footballers are like. They all want to score. So we could start seeing five and six nil soon. If they all get on the score sheet, because they'll all be hungry and they'll yeah. all want to score. Without a doubt, without <laughs> a doubt. This is, you just need that little bit of a little bit of a taste. And so it's I your suppose. job, mate. In the midfield, a few little through balls and you can set all these blokes up, all yeah, right? Yeah, I'll try and do so my So it's best. your job, your <laughs> job. Let's have a look at some of the other games. There are some absolute rippers this weekend. Uh, Sydney FC versus Melbourne victory, always a massive game. Yeah, definitely. Um, I suppose the big blue derby, if you want to call it that. And um, Sydney, obviously victory coming off their win in the FFA Cup. They're going to be quite high on confidence whatnot but you know Sydney are a very very well organized side always tough team to break down and we faced them in the FFA Cup and thankfully got through but um it's going to always it's always an interesting clash and I think the game's played in Sydney yep is it this week it is, so yep. um yeah it's it, for me that's probably the match of the round in that yep. sort of a sense the the two big teams of the league considering they both were finalists last year and it's the first time they're going to be playing since the final so it should be a really interesting game. Uh, Brisbane at home to Perth Glory. Brisbane second on the ladder at the moment. Have they impressed you? Are they are they the second best team in the comp at the moment, do you think? Oh, I think it's still early to say who's the second best team in the comp and who's the best, whatnot. Um, but definitely they've improved since last year and they yep. and they have impressed. Um, they're playing a good brand of football and scoring quite a number of goals. Perth are probably going to be going there and um, whether or not how they'll be playing, I'm not too sure. They they seem to sit back a little bit and try and hit teams on the counter attack. From what I've seen, um, so but when they do get the ball, they, they they don't mind playing. So it would be a very interesting game between those two sides. And another very good game, Melbourne City Western Sydney. How do you see that one? Yeah, I think City's only beaten West Sydney once throughout the whole entire existence of West Sydney. So that should be an interesting one. Um, I believe that's at Amy. Uh, it well. is. Yep. Yeah. So. Uh, West Sydney are a good side. Um, we versed them obviously round two. Uh, unfortunately, we drew in the last five or so minutes, yep. but they're a well-organised side. Popovich's sides are always well-organised and um, City are, you know, obviously after the, res- the bad result now in on the weekend, they'll, they'll be full of confidence as well, managing to score four goals. So I'm sure they've got a couple of ins as well with Harry Navillo being fit and Mark Hughes as well, Hughes the centre-back. So yep. it'll be interesting to see who's going to be starting for them. Yeah. Fantastic, Marte. Thanks for joining us on the Triple M Redcast and let's hope the boys get the three points against Wellington. Yeah, cheers. Thanks. The Rush Hour with Jars and Louis. 26 wedding anniversary. Yes, it was, I said, look, let's go to the flicks <laughs> to see a, a movie called... The yep. dressmaker. I said, look, I need to go to the gentleman's, and she had the ticket, and I didn't hear her say Theatre 5. Right. So I went in and checked up all the other movies that are on at the time, <laughs> but guess what was on? Yeah. James Bond's. <laughs> at, at, at what stage did you unclip your nuts <laughs> and put them back in your handbag and go back into the dressmaker? <laughs> 
just as the movie started. <laughs> the Rush Hour with Jars and Lou weekdays from four. For Fairmont Homes, SA's builder of choice. 104.7 Classic Triple M. Jars and Louie on 104.7 Classic Triple M. For Fairmont Homes, get more for less with great flexibility. Still to come from the Port Adelaide Football Club, Jason Cripps after that alarming incident a little bit earlier on this year. But tomorrow... The Knicks taking on Adelaide United, oh. 7.30 at Westpac Stadium. Yeah, across the ditch, and we join our boy Jimmy Jago. Jimmy, welcome to the Rush Hour. Cheers, boys. How are you? Mate, we are good. I'm just going to uh, forewarn you that the juice, the one here of the two of us, he's a little bit fired up. He's got a lot of love for the Reds. He just wants to put you uh, probably in the witness box for mm. two or three minutes, mate, so best of luck. Jimmy, thank you. thank you for your time, Jimmy. Now, Jimmy, after last week's performance, now I know there's been some positive energy coming out uh, that you played a bit better football, but for, personally, there's no spark in the team now. Is there any internal bickering amongst the team? Because there were some players that I felt were sooky la la last uh, last week, and it's not on Jimmy. So can you answer that question first? Is there any uh, bickering amongst the team? No, there's absolutely nothing. Nothing about so I think you know naturally when you're not winning games, boys are getting frustrated, and it's part and parcel of of the game. And you know we all demand a lot from each other, so you know it's 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 us trying to get the best out of each other, and, and it's going to continue. But Jimmy, there was some poor, poor body uh, language amongst some of your senior players. The ones that we rely on, their body language to me was appalling, Jimmy. Yeah, but as I said, you know everyone. When you're not getting results, there's frustration and, and, you know, people, we're all ambitious and we, we want to do well this year and we want to do better than what we're doing. So, you know, I think it's natural that that frustration is going to come out and, and it's, as I said, it's us trying to get the best out of each other. Jimmy, this one might be a tough question to answer, but are the players frustrated with team owner Greg Griffin? Because uh, end of the day, he runs the shot in terms of money, but it, is it affecting the team morale because Greg Griffin uh, is, a, is, a, is a tough taskmaster? Nah, look, I think, you know, as players, the only thing we focus on is going out every week and, and doing the best we can and putting on the best performance. So, you know, anything anything like that goes above our head. And to be honest, you know, it's, it's got nothing to do with us. So we okay. focus on training as hard as we can during the week and going out and putting, putting the best performance we can on the weekend. And Jim, you let in 10 in the last three games, not you personally, but everybody else. You say, he's said it's big mistakes both defensively and up forward. So mm. they're not just little blues, they're big ones and they're costing you dearly. Yeah, it's definitely something that we've... I mean, there's no hiding the fact that it's not been good enough and we have conceded too many goals. And, and you know, as Issa said, it, it's not just the defenders, it's not just the midfielders, it's, it's the whole team. So, you know, it's something we've worked hard on and we'll continue to do so to try and, try and stop those goals. Mate, tough assignment. Uh, they're up against it, Wellington. They're trying to prove they belong in the competition, mm. trying to get a big rally cry going. So they'll have the faithful out there against you tomorrow night. So that's going to make it even harder. Yeah, exactly. It it sounds like, you know, there should be a big crowd and and we're looking forward to it. But, you know, these sort of backs against the wall games are often the ones where, you know, they really test you and the character can come out. And so hopefully it's a good chance for us to really make a statement and, and get our season going. Jimmy, what about your form? You got subbed off last week. You looked a bit flat when you were coming uh, to the bench. Uh, not too many high fives. I know players don't like coming off, but you're the brommer of the side, Jimmy. How are you tracking? Do you think you're in good nick under this new coach or you prefer playing under Joseph, who's now coaching bloody under-16 somewhere in Barcelona? <laughs> nah, look, I think, I think you know, me personally, I'm not entirely happy with how I've been playing, but I don't think, you know, as a team, any of us can really put our hand up and say we started the season well. And, yeah. you know, that's something that we've had to look at as well, you know, individually mm. to make sure we're all 
putting in performances and you know the boys the boys have done that and as I said you know we all hold each other accountable yeah. and we all we all you know try to get the best out of each other and we'll continue to do that. Jim, have you uh, and a lot, look, we've all been through it, mate. So we know what you're going through. Um, have you changed anything in terms of training? Have you changed in terms of preparation? Has there been a couple of meetings just from a player's point of view to, to hold each other to account more? Has there been a, maybe a little tightening of rules on the pitch from the coach? I mean, is there little things being done to try and well, let's snap out of this? Yeah, definitely. I think you know, especially after the the city game, we, we saw that as a real opportunity to sort of get that win and, and get our season going. And I think following that, you know, it really made us take a step back and and look at things again. And, you know, we've had a positive week training. And, and you know, I think the boys are really, really focused and really ambitious to make this weekend count. Like Jar said at the top, the last week or so, the signs are much better in, in the sense that more opportunities have come along, better attacking, better style of footy. So that must be pleasing and that must give you some heart that it's not that far away. Yeah, no, I think, you know, as players all along, we've been confident that we're not too too far away from where we want to be, but it's just mistakes that are really costing us and, and making those same mistakes over and over again. I think if we can cut that out and tighten up on those things, then the rest of our game will take care of itself. So, you know, I don't, I don't think we're too far away and it's just tightening up on those little things. Jimmy, uh, the motto down there is uh, at Adelaide United is United we stand. And this Triple M Rush fa- family, they'll stand by you. But I tell you what, mate, we need to get uh, three points uh, this week. And otherwise, don't come back on the plane back to Adelaide. Stay in New Zealand, Jimmy. Mm. <laughs> All right, sounds good, lads. All right. I don't know whether you've got a trade Jimmy. system, but Jars will be trading you, mate, if you don't get a hit. <laughs> oh, Jimmy. Hey, Jim, we appreciate you, <laughs> good cop- on you mate. copying the full force of Juice Newton Jarman today. Uh, all the best of luck, mate, yeah. because like I said, one win can turn a season around and you can get things rolling against Wellington. Well, that could be the one, mate, so appreciate your time. Exactly right. Cheers, lads. And, mate, we still love you. We really no, do. No, I'm with you, Jimmy, but uh, it's hurting me and it's hurting the family and it's hurting everyone in Adelaide. It's hurting us too, mate. All it's right. hurting Come us too. And, Jim, you know that's all from a bloke that's not even on the bandwagon. <laughs> <laughs> See you, mate. Imagine if he was on it, Jim. <laughs> Imagine what it'd be like. You'd be down at tra- you'd be hearing that. You'd be hearing that crap every day training when you ran out. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. See you, mate. Thank you, mate. Cheers, thank you. Jimmy Jago, make sure you get behind them. Round six, Wellington oh. Phoenix versus Adelaide United. Over the ditch, Westpac Stadium, 7.30 tomorrow. Jimmy Jago on Classic Triple M's Rush Hour. Hard? Was nah. it too hard, Lou? No, I'm thinking of ringing, ringing customs and say, <laughs> if they're coming home when they're beaten, don't let them in. Yeah, no. Take no. them all into a room. Yeah, and I'll have a dog. No, and then, <laughs> no, then we'll go into that room, <laughs> dressed as agents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's up first? All right. Good luck, lads. It's Classic Triple M. Hey, this is Craig Goodwin, and Classic Triple M rocks the Reds.